I want to pick up from where we started last week. And um, first thing I want to say to everybody, everybody in this room, watching online, and everyone, thank you very much. And uh, everybody that you know, ready for this? Everybody, relax. Everybody relax. All right, one, two, three, everybody, relax. Can you do that? I see this massive um, thing happening, and uh, it was, to me, it was culminated when I heard, thank you, again, um, it was culminated when I heard somebody go, this is a war, talking about the election, between God and the devil. I assure you it's not. I assure you it is not. Um, and the problem, li listen carefully, listen very carefully. The problem, people are making a divide and, and they're trying to say that God's on this team or God is on that team, which is so overplayed. The divide, the divide is not between this side or this side, this camp or this uh, candidate, this party, that party, the divide for people of faith should be those that respond with calm and those that respond with hysteria. Those that are at peace and those that are, what? Panicking. This is the divide of faith. And so many people are getting sucked into this. It's unbelievable to me. So I won't harp on it all, but I, I just want to say, if faith should do anything, it should provide you peace in a time of turmoil or uncertainty or crisis, conflict. Do you remember the story these, these stories are in the scripture for a reason. When the storm is churned up and the disciples are crying out in fear and Jesus is what? What's Jesus doing? Panicking. Oh my God, we're going to drown. Oh my God, the devil's winning. What's Jesus doing? Sleeping. How dare you sleep? How dare you sleep unless you believe that what? God's in control. God's in control. Let's practice for our own sense of peace. God's in control. One, two, three. God is in control. God's in control. They, they used to, what I'm going to talk about today in our series on faith is I'm going to talk about prayer and how prayer is a technology that can lead you to peace. I'm going to talk to you about the technology of prayer, maybe something you should apply in your life, that a lot of people talk about practicing their faith. You say, do you practice your faith? And to a lot of people, I'm a practicing Catholic. I'm a practicing Christian. It means I go to church on Sunday. Practicing means I attend a church. Nothing could really be further from the truth. The only way you practice your faith is on Monday. You learn about it on Sunday. You practice it on Monday. When do you practice your faith? On 
and Tuesday and Thursday night. That's when you practice it. That's when you practice it. You learn about it here. You listen a little bit here, right? If you don't practice it on Monday, then what you do on Sunday is you pretend your faith. So what we have to do, we have to, we have to translate the idea of faith to life. If you don't, it's all a waste of time. And when you translate it, you have the idea of faith is that this is bigger than me and this is bigger than you. Ready? This is bigger than Republican. And this is bigger than Democrat. This is bigger than the United States. of a, th This is the big show. And you're not running it, and I'm not running it. But what we learn to do is to trust. Peace comes from trusting. Faith is nothing more than trust. Trust in the transcendent. We have to put our faith into what? Practice. Practice. That means now I trust. This went the way I want it. This didn't go the way I wanted it. That's going to happen, ready, the rest of your life. I was saying this at the end of last week. People are acting like God is in danger of falling off the throne. <laughs> and we're going to prop him up. You know, i got to get him back up there. Are, are, we, are we serious? With our low, 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 low level of faith, we don't need to prop God Jesus sleeps in the storm. And so if I can, if I can, I want to teach you how to relax today. I want to teach you how to pray. Not, not prayer at the, at the low level, you know, the lowest level of prayer, the introductory levels of prayer. God, give me something good. God, give me this. God, give me that. But a different level of prayer. Prayer not of 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 receiving things, but prayer of accepting things. Let me say one more thing before we talk about this. Of course, you have a role to play. Of course, we take action. Of course, you do things. Of course, you vote. Of course, you uh, organize. Whatever you do, you, you take action. That's, of course. These are not mutually exclusive. But once you've done what you can do, you trust. You trust. Do you know why some of you are so frustrated and so out of sorts? Because you're control freaks. Because you want to steer. That's why. The other day we went for a bike ride. I had Charlie on the back, you know, her little seat. And uh, she's already got control issues. Already. She's there, and then like mommy go, goes in front. Mommy, where's mommy? She can't see her. Where's mommy? I'm like, well, she's three feet in front of us. And so I have to get where she can see you. Where is mommy, right? And then we go down a hill, and we had a little momentum, and then mommy drifts back, and where's mommy, mommy, mom? Are you getting me? And then every time she does the where's mommy, she throws in her body left and right. And <laughs> do you know what it's like to... This could be better for all of us. 
And I'm guarding her. How many know I'm guarding her with my life? I'm thinking about every move. I want her to be safe at our destination, right? I am the, the kind of the, quote, God figure in her life who's steering, who's taking her somewhere good. Not only good and safe, but hopefully enjoyable. But I'm in her way. She can't see. I mean, no, sometimes God's in your way. We walk by faith, not by what? You just have to trust this, this big block in front of me is trying to take me somewhere good. Faith is huge. If you, if you let it stop being a religious thing, stop being a Sunday thing, and move it into Monday, move it into Thursday night, and say, I'm trusting God. God's driving me. And I can't see, and sometimes I'm frustrated, and I'm a little bit worried, but I know God's going to take us somewhere good. Prayer is really about setting your mind at a different place. Paul wrote about this in Colossians. Colossians 3, he says, you know, set your, um, your minds on things above, on things above. This is their way of thinking. You know, of course, we know God isn't just above. He's with us and all that. But, but in a way of thinking mentally, God's above all of this. Set your mind on things that are above. The first thing that prayer does is it helps you to realize that there's, it, you, you can zoom out from all of the noise, the action and the reaction. Listen to me, please. Do yourself a favor and listen to this sermon. I mean, actually. Set your mind up there. You don't need to be caught in every food fight in America. Just put your mind up above it all. And not on all of the stuff that's going on. You don't need to know. You don't need to fight. I can't believe how many people get suckered into it all. People of faith. The, different, the, the, the differentiator should be for people of faith is they've risen above it. They put their mind on things that are above. They took their action. They did their vote. They did their whatever. But there's a way they go about it. Not, I'm not talking about people with a Jesus fish on their car. I'm talking about people with faith. They aren't always the same. Just rise above it. The idea of prayer produces a sort of calm in you. The focus shifts in their life. Can I just say something? A lot of you worry, and you don't realize you're worrying. You worry, and you don't realize you're worrying. You, you, you start into it so naturally, so instinctively, it just becomes a part of you. And you don't recognize that you're worrying. And at the same time, what I want to teach you how to do is to pray without realizing you're praying. May I? That, that you, prayer doesn't have to be, well, i got to get down, kneel by my bed, and you know, say the things of my grandma. But what if I could teach you to pray the way that you worry? To just drift into it. Because you don't sit there and go, let's commence worrying. That's not how worry is. But worry will destroy you. And it comes in all kinds of forms. But what it is, is it starts with concern. 
and sometimes legitimate concern. True? I'm concerned about something. It's okay to be concerned. It means you're human. And then what it does is it just starts to drift. And it starts to think, that I'm the one that needs to control. I'm the one that needs to solve. I'm the one that needs to fix. And so you drift into worry. And if I could, just for a few minutes today, I want to talk to you about how to drift into prayer. It's very subtle. First thing you do is you, is you focus, ready, on the good. And you remember this. This thing, life, is going somewhere good. This is a fundamental belief when you pray. It's going somewhere good. Now let's look here for a minute. This doesn't sell nearly as many books as Armageddon. 27 reasons why it's all falling apart because of this person or the party or that book that sells books. Ready? It's all going somewhere good. Do you realize over the past several decades we've elected a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats? Newsflash. And almost every cycle, someone has a big prediction about this person's the Antichrist or this person's going to take us into the abyss. This is all the worst. Come on, quit buying that stuff. My least loved sermon ever. I can smell it. No, 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 no. I, no, I gave you it. No, I gave you a chance to like it earlier. Why are we buying this? If you're a person of faith, let me just give you a survey of the entire story. Genesis 1. He makes it, he looks at it, and he goes, wow, that's good. May I paraphrase Genesis 1.31? Right? God surveys all that he has made. This is the first chapter. And he goes, that's very good. And in the, in the common English Bible, it says, it was supremely good. Isn't that a good word? Supremely good? So everything God made started out good. It's good. I love this translation. It says, God surveyed everything he made, ready? Savoring its beauty. Appreciating its goodness. And that was day six. Savoring its beauty, appreciating its goodness. Here's how you could start your day. You know what we should do, every one of us? We should start our day that way. Savor the beauty, appreciate the goodness. Savor the beauty. What do we do? do not savor the beauty. We get sucked into the, well, I was going to say something. We get sucked into the noise. Savor, don't get sucked. Just sit there and look at it all. Do you notice how beautiful it all is? Yeah, there's work to do. Yeah, there's brokenness. There's problems. There always will be. But prayer does this. It gets you started right that this is good. And it's going to go somewhere even better. 
God has seeds that reproduce and animals that reproduce. The whole idea that things can reproduce and regenerate is that it's going to continue on and it's going to continue into something good. And fast forward to the very end, the very end. There's no more mourning or sorrow or crying or pain. It's all going good. This is what you need to say about your life every single day of your life. It's all going somewhere good. Can you appreciate it? Philippians, Paul gives us some guidance here, you know. And Paul talks about how to have the peace of God that transcends human understanding. Now look, this is where everyone gets suckered in. And they remember how he talked about faith? Is like there, there's levels, there's pre-rational thinking, there's rational thinking, and then there's trans-rational thinking. You remember this? And this is what's so huge. Trans-rational and pre-rational are both non-rational. By definition, they are not rational. And so what a lot of people do is they get suckered in because someone will say, that's not, that's not, you need to be rational. Faith is not even trying to be rational. It exceeds understanding. This is how people understand it. This is, people just, just die right here, pointing to the facts, pointing to the figures, pointing to each other. And faith is a completely different level. It just transcends. Paul said this in, in, in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I fought like a child, I reasoned like a child. He was trying to say there's another level that, that, that makes that look like childish thinking. What if, what if faith exposed you to a whole other level? I was listening to a scientist the other day talking about the transition from two-dimensional world to a three-dimensional world. And he was trying to help us think, what would it be like if you lived in a two-dimensional world and someone from a three-dimensional world tried to explain it to you? You know, like, like you were a dot and someone was trying to explain to you a sphere. And there's nothing you could do. There's, there aren't enough, there's not enough language to go, well, it's... It's, yeah, yeah, it is like a dot, but it's so much more. How many know a sphere is so much more than a dot? Because it's a different dimension. Now, what we know from our faith, but even science is starting to say, is there, there's another dimension. And language doesn't even work. But what you do is you have to trust. In Paul's day, they had this type of prayer. It was meditation. And um, for our terms today, we'll call it... Um, We'll call it throne room meditation. This is actually a thing that they did 2,000 years ago. And the idea was they meditated. One of the verses by the, or passages, if you know the Bible well, was they meditated on Ezekiel 1. Crazy stuff. You ever read, read Ezekiel 1? There's a wheel intersecting with a wheel, and there's eyes all around it. I mean, it's total sci-fi stuff. Do yourself a solid and, and read it. And, and they would meditate on it. They knew the scripture very well. So they, this was a type of meditation. Stuff that you and I read and just go, I have no idea what that means. 
but they meditated on it, and they called it throne room meditation. Now, what would that do? Think about it. What would that type of thinking do for you? To meditate on the transcendent, that there's, it's so much bigger. You can't access this on Twitter, friends. What I'm talking about, you can't get on Twitter. You, you are going to have to use prayer or meditation or whatever you call it and take yourself to a different level. You start to realize that God is bigger than all of this. Sounds so cliche, but so easy to get lost. In this process, when we say it's all going somewhere good, you need to remember this. There's ebb and flow. Um, how do I say it? Sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, ebb and flow. And sometimes you're in the part of life where it's two steps back. That's just life. But it's a net gain. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's going somewhere good. Life's a roller coaster ride. There are ups and downs, but the end, God's in control of the thing, and it's going somewhere good. But there's going to be ebb and flow, and Jesus knew this. That's why we have him talking to Peter about the resurrection. I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised. I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised. What did Peter hear? I'm going to die. He didn't hear the other part. This is what we're doing wrong. We're only hearing part of the story. Oh, man, it's a good sermon if you were listening. Honest to God, it's good. We're only hearing the first part. Peter goes nuts when he goes, you're going to die. You didn't even hear him say, you're going to be raised again. That's kind of a big deal. That's a good part. It ends good. It's going somewhere good. Are there going to be some setbacks? Yeah, who likes to be crucified? Nobody. Can I take a deep dive for just a minute? You ready? I mean, if you dare read Colossians 3, where I started, it says, it, Colossians 3, it says, I, you died with Christ. Now, everybody check your pulse. Are you there? So what does that mean? It means sort of symbolically, metaphorically, you died. It means somehow when you, when you, really get it. You realize that just as Christ suffered and died, you're going to suffer and die. Just as things go bad in, in his life, they, they're going to go bad. There's going to be setbacks. Things are going to go backwards, and then they're going to go forward. That's how life works. And if anybody sells you something saying, it only goes good, it only goes good, you better get a refund. It's just not reality. So, but what faith does is faith understands reality. Abraham, in Hebrews, faced the facts, it says, that his body was as good as dead. Backwards, but then it's a net gain. At the end of the show, I was listening to with this scientist. It got, he, was, he was saying that they have, no, I'm not saying this. He was saying it. He's actually a very smart guy who dabbles with a lot of other scientists, but he was saying um, they have the technology right now, and he believes a guy in the field who studies anti-aging science, that kind of stuff that they're trying to... He says people are born today who they have the technology 
to keep them alive forever. I'm not saying it, I'm just telling you that's what this guy said. Then he said, but would you want to? Would you want to? I never even thought about that. I had never even heard of this claim, but would you want to? So he goes, well, of course, that's why, I, you know, that's why, that's why I'm vegan. That's why I'm this, that's why I did, that's why I did this. Right, I, I want, I want to, but, but he brought up an interesting argument. He said, if you never, would you value a day the same way? We think we would, but if it's all just vanilla and it has no, interesting. Maybe there's something richer to this idea of death and resurrection than we, deeper than we ever realized. That this is the great pattern of the universe. There's something unbelievably rich here. Let me ask it to you this way. I was golfing with a rock star yesterday, an absolute rock star. I go out there, I'm just trying to be a humble pastor and go around for a round of golf, and everybody on this golf course comes to the guy that I'm golfing with. John, you're the man. And they just push me out of the way, and they hug this guy, right? For 18 holes, this guy won his year-long club championship tournament the day before, and by the way, hits a hole-in-one doing it. Anybody ever felt like a loser? Put a big L on my forehead. I golfed 18 holes. Hole in one. I mean, just like, oh, a hole in one. Ready? I know a couple people here. I know you. I've talked, hit hole in one. I mean, it's like euphoric feeling. So what you think is, I would love to do that on every hole. So we're golfing and then meet up with another family. And they have this young guy, this young guy golfing with. And they said, you know, when he was real young, he used to, every time you hit the ball in the hole, he would jump up and down and go, Daddy, you hit a hole in one. Every time you hit it in, it's a hole in one. If you could hit a hole in one on every hole, every single hole, would it have value anymore? Weirdly, probably not. Or you might say, absolutely not. Think. Loss is a part of life. Maybe it's what makes life so beautiful. Maybe it's what makes life so meaningful. Maybe that's why when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden and he's ready for it because he knew loss was a part of life, but he also knew resurrection was, he, he could accept it and why Peter grabbed the sword. And you know what I see everyone doing today? Everyone's reaching for the sword. And they got their own kind of swords. We don't carry sword. Anybody sword carrying today? Hopefully not. Try to check you at the door for those. We got little handheld swords. Huh? We got 12-inch swords. I see everyone grabbing for the sword. Don't let them come for you. Jesus is like, what? what's the worry, Peter? What's the worry? I'll say one more thing to close. Let's say you got it. Here's the thing about being you. You know, you're always right. 
Now, let's just talk honestly. Who here thinks you're right about something? Go ahead. Who here thinks you're right about everything that you think something about? In other words, you wouldn't think it if you didn't think you were right about it. This is true. Please participate today. I'll, I'll just talk to the people online. Uh, uh, forget them. Forget all these people. I can see the hands. The reason that we think we're right is because we think so. It just starts with a little simple thing. Ready? Maybe I'm not 100% right about everything. Perhaps. Still that little bone out there. Maybe I am not 100% right about everything. And you can get somewhere from there. You just start by saying, perhaps I don't know everything about everything. Perhaps I can learn. But when you believe you're right, as Jesus said, you're like, you're like pushing your, your pearls onto pigs. Charlie's new thing, Peppa Pig. Peppa. Dun, 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 dun. She does a snort, too. And so we go to the farm the other day to see the animals, the pet... Um, before we had the panic bike ride, and we walk around, and she walks up to the pig, and she goes, Peppa, George. That's the two characters. If you don't have kids, you don't know anything about what I'm talking about here today. But the pigs don't appreciate pearls. Just throw them some slop. <laughs> Jesus is teaching is you, you, you think you got this pearl here, and you're trying to shove it onto other people, and they don't appreciate it. Keep your pearls to yourself. Put them in your pocket. Don't you love how Jesus was always shoving his opinion on everyone? Was he? I, don't, I didn't read that. He just kept his pearls in his pocket, and then people would come for him. Here's why, and this will help you. Live the change that you want to see. Live the change that you want to see. Easy to talk the change. Live the change. Just live it. And the next thing you know, people will be cornering you for your pearls. It just works that way. You don't have to dispense them. You don't have to push them. You just live the change that you want to see. Ah, but Chris, ah, I know. They're going to crucify me. I know. And then you die. And then you come back. It's just how it works. How would we interpret, I died with Christ? You can interpret, I didn't get my own way. I didn't get what I wanted. I lost. I felt pain. I was worried. You can interpret a whole bunch of ways, can't you? Paul said, I die daily. This morning we're getting ready for church. Man, is it stressful at your house getting ready for church? Shouldn't it be peaceful? Shouldn't it just be like, hmm, getting ready for church. 
Everyone's cooperating. Why is it so stressful? I'm trying to do something good here, God. So we took Peppa Pig away. And she thought she was dying. She grabbed her heart. It's the big one. I mean, she did. She, is it, we're, I, God. And we're like, you're, please, please, you're not dying. But she said, no, I'm dying. We think we're dying. We don't get what we want. It's taken from us. We just, we, we literally act like two-year-olds. Think we're dying. Not dying, you're just not getting what you want. That's all. <laughs> the end of the story is like, it doesn't matter because this is going somewhere good. I can't believe, honestly, I'm sometimes shocked how little faith there actually is. Real faith. I'm not talking about professing faith or people that have joined churches or people that have bumper stickers or Jesus fishes. I'm talking about actual, I, I'm, I'm shocked how little there actually is. And there's people that talk faith, they all kinds of God talk, but have no faith, none. Church all the time. So much God talk can make you vomit. No faith. There's people that have no God talk and tons of faith. Jesus told stories about that. You know the story? The guy with two sons tells the one son, go work in the field. Oh, hey, Dad, forget you. I'm not working. I hate working out there. Forget you. Disappointing. To his room. Dad tells the other son, son, go work in the field. Yes, sir, dad, I love the field. I love you. You're the best dad ever. Dad leaves for work. This son, who told his dad to go take a hike, has a change of heart and goes out and works in the field. This son, who had all the, I love you, dad, you're the best dad, and I love working and serving you, played video games. Which one, Jesus says, did what his father wanted? The one that talked or the one that walked? We need more walk and less talk, friends, when it comes to faith. We don't need people getting more bumper stickers, more Christian paraphernalia. We need faith that trusts in the transcendent God. Let me read this to you with closing. Don't fret or worry, Philippians 4. Instead of worrying, pray. <laughs> Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Notice drift, just as you drift into worry, drift into prayer. Just turn it into prayer. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Here's what I think that means, a sense of God's peace, a sense that there's a bigger arc, a bigger picture here. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. What did I start by saying? Everybody, settle down. Settle down. Huh. 
It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, the beautiful. You get it? Put your mind on the beauty. Who can do it? Everyone can do it. Ready? Who will do it? Just focus. Just focus. And if you, if you have any doubt, just do this. Whatever little or a lot you, you know about Jesus, just think about this. Would Jesus be doing this? Would he be panicking? Would he be tweeting? Would he be ballistic? Would he... Or would he be striding? Crucifixion can't feel good. It's certainly not desirable. It was part of the story. And God works all things together for good.